Well, good morning, my friends. I'm excited to be back teaching. I was way ahead, so it's been a while since I've done a podcast. This is for Monday the 14th, and we're going to do a new series in Ecclesiastes. Why are we going to do that? Well, I was talking to my cousins by marriage, Gwyneth Jones, and friends by choice, and we were just talking, and they mentioned, um, I think more it was Gwen more than Ed, mentioned uh, Ecclesiastes, and you know, kind of in that conversation, it kind of sparked an interest. So I want us to, if you would, grab your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes. If you have a study Bible, turn to um, the, the first page, which would be the notes about. And so I want to read a few of these things just to whet your appetite for Ecclesiastes. And then um, I want to ask you to kind of look at, uh, for the next couple of days, I want you to look at the book of First Kings in the first 11 chapters and just kind of read as much as you can before we get into them. And the reason for that is because First Kings, those 11 chapters is about Solomon, who I believe is the author of the book of Ecclesiastes and uh, many, many scholars do. And there's many people who do not believe that he is. They think it's someone who wrote about kings and monarchs and but I think if we look into some of the scriptures in just a moment we'll see that um, I think they're right that it would be Solomon so let's look uh, the first page of your study Bible I'm just going to go ahead and read for mine uh, there's no um, and, and there's no reason for me to reinvent this stuff let's just go ahead and read it author and date my book says and I have the NIV study Bible no time period or writer's name is mentioned in the book but several passages strongly suggest that King Solomon is the author and then he lists some scriptures and we'll look at a few on the other hand the writer's title teacher Ecclesiastes means teacher in the Hebrew it's Q-O-H-E-L-E-T-H for you Hebrew scholars um, it's got a unique style of Hebrew and his attitude toward rulers, uh, suge- suggesting that um, of a subject rather than a monarch may point to another person in a later period. But I believe um, um, I'm going to go with Solomon on this one. I think this is who wrote it. It's 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 I guess it's not, you know, groundbreaking. If it's not him, we're going to find out in heaven. We're wrong about a lot of things anyway. So. The purpose and meaning with his uh, life largely behind him, the author takes stock of the world as he has experienced it between the horizons of birth and death and later a horizon beyond which man cannot see. The world is seen as being full of enigmas, the greatest of which is man itself. Uh, If that doesn't whet your appetite for the book of Ecclesiastes, then you don't read a lot of novels. Um, I'm not a novel guy, but sometimes... It's the opening verses of a book in the introduction or in the preface that that get me interested in getting deeper into the book a little farther. As the author looks at the human experience, he sees man in mad pursuit of one thing and then another. And doesn't that fit today? Uh, It's the latest. It's the greatest. It's the newest invention. It's the newest this, the phone, the iPhone, the whatever. All of these things that we look at, this latest technology. Also, it's the latest, right? It's the latest um, car. It's the latest TV. It's the latest job. It's the latest relationship. So much of man's experience is looking beyond. Yet, man doesn't look truly beyond because they look at life on this earth as if that's all there is. And we know as believers that there's so much more. This is just a blip in time compared to eternity. Um, 
Um, he looks at laboring and as if it could master the world, lay bare its secrets, change its fundamental structures, break through the bounds of human limitations and master his own destiny. And he sees man vainly pursuing hopes and expectations that in reality are meaningless or chasing the wind. Vanity, 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 he says some 37, 38 times in this book. All is vanity. And if all is meaningless, as he says, then even the statement that all is meaningless is is a contradiction because that statement would be vanity as well. And so there is meaning. There is meaning to life and meaning to this thing that we call life. And you and I know there's meaning because we have pain. We struggle. We get discouraged at times, maybe. We get elated. We get excited. So life really does have meaning. It isn't vain. But looking back on his life, it appears that Solomon is trying to tell us that so many of these things we chase are really vain or meaningless or vanity. Teaching. Life not centered on God is uh, purposeless and meaningless. Without him, nothing else can satisfy. With him, all of life and his other uh, good gifts are to be gratefully received and used and enjoyed to the fullest. The book contains the philosophical and theological reflections of an old man like me, most of whose life was meaningless because he had not himself relied on God. And it's, 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 it's kind of weird to think of this as a man who, looking backward, has not relied on God because he's the same man who wrote in the Proverbs, chapter 3, 5, and 6, seek the Lord, right? Uh, Trust in the Lord in, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Um, there is this reality that um, whoever this is, has at the end of his life not truly believed what he even wrote at the beginning of his life, um, which is sad because Solomon started out very, very well. But let's look at Ecclesiastes, just a a few verses this morning, um, just to whet our appetite. And then if you would, again, look at 1 Kings uh, chapter, uh, 1 Kings and the first 11 chapters, actually. And uh, if you don't like to read that much, turn on your uh, Bible app, and then hit the play button and it will read it to you. Let's look at uh, Ecclesiastes 1.1. The subtitle above mine says everything is meaningless. Um, Makes you want to just shut the book right now, doesn't it? Um, Verse 1, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. So we see teacher, the teacher of wisdom. Remember Solomon was asking God, or God was asking Solomon what he wanted. And in 1 Kings, you'll read that. And Solomon said, I would love wisdom. And God loved his answer so much he gave him almost everything else. And then Solomon decided to take a lot of things that he shouldn't have taken. But son of David, uh, king in Jerusalem. So we get a little bit of the flavor of who this author is. First of all, a teacher. And Solomon was said to be the wisest man, the son of David uh, and a king in Jerusalem. Um, there's a lot of, um, um, a, uh, I guess, secrets there a lot are being exposed saying that he is a man of wisdom or a teacher he is the son of David which Solomon was um, of Bathsheba the wife of Uriah remember David had an affair and then had her husband killed Uriah killed took Bathsheba as his own their first child died and then God gave them Solomon and Solomon would um, um, one day sit on the throne. But if you look at First Kings, you'll see that that was not an easy thing either. I don't want to give it away, but I want you to read First Kings, those first 
11 chapters. Let's uh, go down a little farther to verses 12 and uh, through 14. It says, I, the teacher, the teacher, not a teacher, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to studying to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. As we read in the introduction as well, here's that statement of chasing after the wind as if it, uh, if, if you can actually catch it, right? But he calls himself again a king, a teacher and a king of all of Israel. Um, 12 times in the book, um, in these 12 chapters, king is mentioned. Let's look to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 4 and through 9. And this is another clue about Solomon. Uh, being the author, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves, had other slaves who were born in the house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and a treasure of kings. And provinces, I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well. The delights of the heart of men, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. If you underline some words in there, you'll you'll see uh, undertook great projects. He built, um, he was the one who built God a temple. It took him seven years. And then like in the next verse, he built himself a palace that took 13 years. And his palace was much bigger than the size of God's temple. To his credit, though, he built the temple exactly the way God wanted it built to the to the nth detail. But then he undertook another uh, project to build for himself a huge palace that took twice as long almost to build as he built for God. So he was a great builder. He was rich. Um, it, uh, as we look into first Kings tomorrow, you're going to see, and as you read it tonight, hopefully you're going to see that, that this Solomon was incredibly wise, incredibly rich, incredibly powerful. He, and his kingdom was a time of peace up until the time he died, but he was not a man of peace in his own self within himself. He was constantly looking for things. And I would just challenge you this morning, if uh, as we begin this, I don't want to just get lost in detail this morning. I want to challenge you and and ask you, what are you looking for in life, and what are you searching for? And is it the next job, or is it the next relationship? Is it the, the next thing that will come down the pike, or the next thing that you catch up with and you chase? I don't know if you've ever bought a new car, but it's not long before the new car feel is gone. You park it in a parking lot and it gets a door, a door ding or a scratch. You say you'll never eat in it. And then the next thing you know, you're on your way to a busy in a busy day and you have to grab something to eat. And the next thing you know, you've got a stain on the seat and things begin to lose their shine. Even new relationships lose um, their shine because we're expecting more out of that relationship and uh, maybe our expectations are too high. But what are your expectations and what are you chasing? And I would ask you to consider those things in light of eternity. 
because this life, whether it's 60 years or 70 years or 80 years, if we're granted that long, is but a short time compared to eternity. So I would ask you this morning to evaluate what you're chasing. Are you chasing the wind or are you chasing after God? Let me pray for us in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you, give you peace. God bless you till we talk again.